Welcome to Valley 101, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com, where we answer the questions you ask about Metro Phoenix. I'm your host, Kayla White. A few weeks ago, our producer Taylor Seeley got a push notification on her phone from AZ Central. I thought it said something like, Arizona hits record high number of COVID-19 cases, which confused me because I thought, wait, the number of cases can't go down, it's cumulative. So why would we say record high? Turns out she misread it. Yeah, I got it all wrong. Happens to the best of us. But it gave me the idea to do this episode. I don't think I'm the only one who is confused by the deluge of numbers around COVID-19. I'm not sure which ones to pay attention to or what they all mean. So that's what we'll be talking about today. I knew I'd need some help to parse through all the numbers in today's episode. So I turned to two experts. All right, are you guys good? Yes. Perfect. Okay, so um, first, thank you guys very much for taking some time. I know you're really, really busy. Um, can I have you guys start with your um, introducing yourself with your name and your title? Okay, I'm Stephanie Innes, and I am the healthcare reporter for the Arizona Republic. I am Allison Steinbach. I cover Mesa and Gilbert for the Arizona Republic, and I've been helping out with coronavirus and health coverage. Before we can understand what the data says, we need to talk about what we're measuring, what data is being collected, what measurements are being used. Turns out there are a lot of metrics, but we're going to focus on the eight that are most commonly talked about. I know some of the measurements that we've been looking at and that the epidemiologists are looking at are the percent of positive cases. So the percent of all the tests taken, what percent of those are positive? We've also been looking at the number of positive cases and also COVID-like illness reported at hospitals. Most of the data comes from the state, meaning the Arizona Department of Health Services, or it comes from Arizona State University. And then the other ones are the hospital data, which are hospitalizations of people with suspected and confirmed COVID. And then we also have been looking at emergency department visits um, by people with suspected and confirmed COVID, and also ventilator use and ICU bed use. Finally, something that I've also been looking at is kind of deaths based on date of death that they occurred. So to reiterate, the measurements being taken right now in regards to COVID-19 in Arizona are as follows. The number of positive cases, both cumulatively and by day the percentage of positive cases, which means we're also measuring the number of tests being taken, the number of hospitalizations of people with suspected and confirmed COVID-19 illness, the number of emergency visits, the number of ventilators being used, 
the number of ICU beds being used, the number of deaths due to COVID-19, and deaths based on date. So where does Arizona stand? If we're gathering data on eight different metrics, what is the data showing us? First up, let's talk about the metric you probably hear about the most, cumulative cases and deaths. As of June 4th, there were 1,012 deaths and about 24,000 positive cases of COVID-19. That 24,000 figure is a cumulative number that accounts for every case of COVID-19 that's been tested and confirmed in Arizona since the start. Now, that doesn't mean all those cases are active. There are certainly many people who have gotten better. But we don't have numbers for that. Allison said readers ask about that a lot. The number of cases and deaths is kind of um, not very hopeful to look at, and people really want to know how many people are getting better from this. Um, and the state has not yet provided that information. They consistently say it's something that they're working on. Now, here's the thing you need to consider with that 24,000 figure. That's the number of cases we know about because those 24,000 cases were confirmed through testing. There could be more people who have COVID-19 or have had COVID-19, but have not been tested. Are those numbers, the over 20,000 cases in Arizona as of June 1st, is that a surprise or is that what we expected? I don't know what we expected, to be honest. I mean, I think we thought that we would reach a peak in late April, but that hasn't happened. Is that right, Allison? Um, I think, yeah, it looks like things aren't exactly slowing down. Um, and now it's obviously well after late April, um, but I'm not sure if we even know yet when our peak was um, or whether we haven't yet reached it. I do think it's clear that we haven't reached what the state had prepared for being a worst-case scenario. We have not reached that level. The other similar measurement you probably hear a lot about is the number of new COVID cases by day. For example, Remember in the beginning when I said I misread a headline about record-breaking COVID cases? Turns out, it was actually a record-breaking number of new COVID cases in a single day. When I followed up with Stephanie about it, she said that metric can get really tricky. She said you have to be careful not to put too much emphasis on a single day's numbers. And that's because it varies based on how many tests are available. Since the beginning of May, the state has been conducting what they're calling testing blitzes, where they're trying to test more people than they were previously. So when we look at spikes in new cases by day, you have to consider whether it's perhaps just a matter of more people getting tested. The other smaller issue is that sometimes the state backfills the data, meaning you might see a spike one day, not because there actually were more cases that day, 
though it's certainly possible, but it could also be the case that laboratories went back and added more cases from prior days, weeks, or even months. They also backfill data on the number of deaths by day. So that's the data that people often talk about, cumulative cases and deaths, and daily new cases and deaths. But the metric that the state usually focuses on is the percentage of positive cases. The percentage of positive cases is supposed to give us an accurate picture of the level of disease in the community. The state also focuses on it because it's in the White House's criteria for reopening. Remember, for the percentage of positive cases, you can visualize in your head a fraction. On the top is the number of positive cases. On the bottom is the number of tests that have been completed. The calculation is the percent positive. The state, meaning the Department of Health Services, likes to calculate this weekly. What the state does is they report the total percent positive. So out of all of the tests completed in Arizona, what percentage of those have come back positive? And then they also do it based on week by week. Um, So in terms of last week, out of all the tests performed last week, how many are positive? And then you can sort of trace it week on week. Calculating it weekly, as opposed to daily, like some university researchers do, helps to iron out any daily irregularities. For example, Mondays, there are usually fewer tests because so many people get it done over the weekend. So where is Arizona at with percentage positives? It's hard to say. And it's sort of jumped around. It was decreasing for a while, but in the past couple of weeks, it's been increasing a little bit. And it's unclear kind of whether opening up played a role in that or whether it's something else going on. I want you to picture a timeline. On the left is March. On the right is June. The weekly percent positives went up from March through mid-April. Then... From mid-April, they go down until you hit early May. In May, you see an increase in weekly percent positives from 5% one week to 6% the next week, 9% the following week, and 8% the next week. So over the past three weeks or so, the percent positive for tests performed that week has been increasing slightly, which is not really the trend that the state is hoping hoping to see. So it might seem like we were getting worse, then getting better, and now we're getting worse. And maybe that's actually the case, but it's hard to know for sure. One thing we do have now is that we are two weeks, a little more than two weeks out from the expiration of the stay-at-home order. So I know a lot of the people watching these graphs are looking to see whether that results in any kind of a spike. And are we seeing anything so far or are we just out from knowing? We're just out from knowing. I think it's hard to say that it's a trend or that's what I'm told. The other thing is... It takes time to know whether any one event has had an impact on the spread of the coronavirus. Yeah, I think there is a delay in terms of when the infection happens to when it's reported as a case. Because if you think about it, 
um, if I were to go out and get infected, I would be asymptomatic for a while as the virus kind of, I don't know, the scientific term moves inside me, um, incubates, I guess. And then eventually I'll get symptoms and then I'll wait around a little more. And then if it gets worse, I'll go get tested. And at that point, I'll be a case. So all those days have passed. So you have to kind of wait all that time to know when an event had an impact, if it if it did in transmission. If we do have an upward trend in percent positives, that could indicate an increase in community spread. Community spread means basically the infection is so widespread that we can't trace where it came from, which would mean it would be harder to eradicate. So to recap, our cumulative number of cases and deaths continue to rise. That's what you would expect. Our percentage of positive cases has changed course over time. Right now, we're on an upward trend, though it's hard to say what that means. Let's turn to another data point for some help here. Let's look at the data that's coming from our hospitals. Well, yeah, you'd want to look at hospital data because it's not sullied by the testing data. So because we've had ups and downs in the number of tests available and the way we're testing people, Hospitalizations are what some public health officials think are a better measure because they see, you know, it looks at who is the most sick with COVID-19 and they're going to end up in the hospital whether, you know, regardless of of the, the level of testing that's available in the community. So what does the hospital data say? Um, an inpatient beds, ICU beds, ventilators, and emergency department visits with people who either have COVID-19 or are suspected to have it, all of those have been um, kind of record high numbers over the past five or six days, which is kind of late, late May into the beginning of June. Understanding the capacity of our hospitals is vital to ensuring we don't overwhelm them. If we were to run out of ICU beds or ventilators, doctors would have to start making difficult decisions about who gets which resources, which could mean choosing between life or death for some patients. Um, We are seeing definitely, you know, with six days in a row of hospitalizations at more than 900, which is more than we'd had since they began reporting the data on April 9th, It looks like it could be a spike in community spread, but I don't think anyone knows for certain at this point because there are other factors that could be at play. To break that down a bit more, toward the end of May, the daily number of people hospitalized due to COVID-19 or COVID-like illnesses was starting to increase. On June 4th, Arizona reached a record high of 1,234 active hospitalizations. Also, as of June 4th, there had not been fewer than 900 hospitalizations per day since May 25th. Can you talk a little bit about the hospital availability and kind of how many beds we have available, if we're putting more efforts into um, increasing the number of beds available? 
So hospitals had to increase their bed capacity by 25% by the end of the first week of April, I believe, or somewhere around April 10th. And they all complied with that. They were supposed to actually increase by 50% by the end of April, but they didn't do that because they weren't seeing the volume that they, you know, thought might happen. So the hospitals are operating at 25% extra capacity. And there is also some contingency sites. So in Northern Arizona, there's a Walgreens distribution center that's been identified. In Phoenix, there's St. Luke's Medical Center, which had closed about a year ago. And then now the, um, the emergency um, division of the state and the National Guard are refurbishing it for patients if needed. So the good news is we haven't run out of beds. As of June 3rd, DHS says 16% of hospital ICU beds are still available. 67% of ventilators are available. And as you heard Stephanie say, there are contingency sites in case hospitals did run out. Those might be necessary if we have a surge or if we start experiencing high numbers of hospitalizations for other illnesses say, the flu. You know, if a family friend just was talking to you casually and just said, you know, like, okay, what's going on with the state? In general, like, is there even an easy way to answer that? Like, yes, we're getting better. No, we're not. Um, Does most data indicate X or? Well, I, I was actually talking to a friend on Saturday who asked me that very question. And I said, I was concerned that we were having another spike in community spread, but I wasn't sure. Um, you know, that's my non-expert answer, but based on what I know. And that's because kind of the, the most recent data continues to show increased hospitalizations. Yeah. And one would hope that's not true. You know, I hope that's not true. Um, as a healthcare reporter, Stephanie, what types of precautions are you still living by? Well, I still work from home, like all of us, and I really haven't changed the way I do anything um, since the stay-at-home order expired. I still wear my mask to the grocery store. I still go to the grocery store once a week. And I do not dine in restaurants at this point. I, I'm not ready to do that, but I am doing takeout. And, you know, there's a lot of new evidence that transmission on surfaces is probably less than what we originally thought. So I'm not really as worried about that. Um, and then outside, we know that transmission is less likely to occur outside. So I'm really not, um, too afraid of, you know, riding my bike and going for walks. I have started going to fitness class, um, but I feel that most, like where I go to Pure Bar, they're, they've reduced their class sizes and they're taking a lot of precautions and nothing is exactly the same as it was, it used to be like three months ago. I think it's fair to say that Governor Doug Ducey's decision to end the stay-at-home order on May 15th was uh, controversial. There were a lot of people who disagreed with it. There were a lot of people who agreed with it. 
Um, does the data, you know, you guys are saying that in the last week, a lot of the hospital data is hitting record highs, that the percentage of positive cases the last three weeks in a row have been increasing. Would this data indicate that that was perhaps the wrong decision in retrospect? Everything we're being told is that it's too early to say that. Why? What makes it too early? That we don't have the, because the the stay-at-home order expired two weeks ago or two weeks ago Friday. So we would only just be beginning like around Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday to see the results of that expiration of the order. So you don't want to just look at a clump of days and say that's a trend, um, like say three or four days. But, um, you know, I don't know exactly how much one needs to have for a trend, but every time Allison and I last week were talking to experts, they always said, you know, we could be seeing a spike in community spread, but we're just not ready to say that yet. Thank you guys so much. Hey, it's me, Kayla again. Taylor, all of this data can feel really complex and convoluted. After clarifying a lot of this, what tips do you have for listeners? What I realized from talking to Stephanie and Allison is that so much more context is necessary than you would think to understand data from DHS. Personally, I was getting very confused at the numbers and percentages on the dashboard because they just didn't add up to me. So if you're looking at DHS data, finding yourself confused, I would recommend signing up for our AZ Central coronavirus newsletter. Allison and Stephanie, along with a handful of other Republic reporters, are amazing at breaking it all down in their articles. And on top of it, they are responsive to questions in their inboxes. If you're interested in getting those articles in a newsletter straight to your inbox, sign up at newsletters.azcentral.com. That's it for this week. Remember to send us your questions at valley101.azcentral.com. Thanks for listening. See you next week.